Welcome to the First Pres podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you would like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Pres at www.first-pres.org. The Lord is building us together, drawing us to His table. Would you open your Bibles to Ephesians? Chapter 1, as we'll be reading every verse of Ephesians this summer, starting at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 to 14, and as you open your Bibles, let's turn to the Lord in prayer. Lord, you see us gathered. We give you this hour, Lord, of worship, and I know, Lord, that all who gather and give you an hour of worship will be blessed, and we come, Lord frail and needy before your abundance. So feed us, Father, by your word and sacrament, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Ephesians 1, verses 1 to 14, hear the word of the Lord. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ, for He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love, He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will, to the praise of His glorious grace, which He has freely given us in the one He loves. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of His glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who was a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. This is God's Word. Amen. Me to we, God's plan, not mine. Are you living in the land of me? The land of me. The land of me is a a pretty comfortable place to live. I mean, nobody really bothers you there. You know, you don't have to deal with anybody else. You, if you want to uh, play Xbox for 12 hours at a time, you can. Bob, I know that's something you do. No. 
If you want to, uh, if you want to stream a Netflix series, some show from the 1990s, watch five seasons all at once. You, you know, if you're living in the land of me, nobody's going to bother you. It's fine. Go ahead. But the land of me has some problems with it, too. Me can't always see what we can see together. For example, if I were just me, if I was living in the land of me, I may have uh, gone out and spent $1,000, $1,200 on a nice set of new golf clubs. But we was able to, to declare that that's probably not the best use of, of resources and there might be other things that are more important, you know, to spend. So I got saved from that error. If it was just me, I might have at some point gone out to buy a, a Harley-Davidson motorcycle or something like that. But we was able to, to, to show me that a motorcycle <laughs> isn't very safe and it isn't very practical to, to drive you know, more than just yourself around. So again, I was saved uh, by we from, from that era. We is pretty smart, uh, isn't she? <laughs> I mean... I mean, I mean, we, not she, we. We is very smart. We is very smart. Well, what are we going to learn together? Uh, Ephesians is actually going to show us, as we read Ephesians together this summer, every verse of it, as we go right through this letter, Ephesians is going to show us something. It's going to show us that the land of me is actually a farce. You know, it actually doesn't exist. It's not there. There is no place where who you are and what you do and how you choose and what you believe fails to impact those around you. There is no land of me. And so what we need to do is begin to learn about the land of we. And it starts with recognizing that God is there over all of us and that God's plan beats my plan for me. God has a plan for us, and that plan beats my plan for me. Well, Ephesus was an enormous ancient city, and it had a small Christian community probably established by the Apostle John, and Paul came to Ephesus uh, with a ministry couple named Priscilla and Aquila, a married couple who were expelled from Rome when all the Jews and Christians were expelled from Rome in A.D. 49 by the emperor Emperor Claudius, and, and they lived in Corinth, Priscilla and Aquila did, but they traveled with Paul, and you can read in Acts chapter 18 and forward about the establishment of the church in Ephesus. Paul actually lived in Ephesus for about three years, but now it's much later than that, and Paul is in prison in Rome, and probably around the year 62, Paul writes a letter back to Ephesus to this church, this beloved community that he loved so much. And unlike other letters, it isn't really in response to a huge particular problem. There's no scandal. There's no huge thing to address. This is just a letter of loving encouragement to a body of, of believers that he loves to keep on with Jesus. If there's any theme to it, it is unity. Unity. What Christ has done for one, he has done for all. And we are all in Christ, one. 
If you come into the saving work of Jesus Christ, you come under Jesus as head of your household, as, as the, the head of your family. You enter his home, his family, and you gather around his table. And all the barriers, whatever background you came from, all the, the walls and the separations and the distinctions, they're all, they're all done away with. In fact, the head of the household doesn't tolerate them as he brings us all into his home and his family. It's about the the prayer that Jesus offered in John chapter 17, right before he was taken away to his passion and the cross. Jesus prayed in John 17, you can look this up this week, he prayed that all his followers would remember that they belong to God and not to the world. He prayed that all of his followers would be faithful to God's name. He prayed that all of his followers would be sanctified in the word of truth and he prayed that all of his followers would be unified in their mission to go into the world with the good news about Jesus. He prayed, John 17, verse 21, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you so that the world may believe that you've sent me. Unity in the witness of Jesus. And that is what was happening in Ephesus. So do you live in the land of me or do you want to learn about the land of me where the unity of believers bears witness to the glory of Jesus Christ? Well, Paul begins in verse one. Paul, an apostle, he says, an apostle of Christ Jesus. An apostle is is a sent one. One who's been sent to represent another, a messenger, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to God's holy people, he says. Holy people. He calls them saints. He says, you are saints, Paul says. Not holy because of what they've done, but because of what Christ has done in them and for them. Paul calls them holy. If you are in Christ, you are in the holiness of Jesus. You share in his holiness. That's God's That's his plan. So Paul says, I'm writing you as an apostle of Christ to the saints who are in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now a quick note for you to write in the margins of your Bible. Paul says, grace and peace to you. This is his characteristic greeting. Now, in the, in the, in the ancient times, in Greek, the way you said hello was to say the word Kyrene, Kyrene. Everybody say Kyrene. Well, hello, yeah. Now, Paul, uh, he says to these people, his characteristic greeting is grace and peace. Charis Kyrene. So Paul takes, what I want you to just know, it's just fun to know this, is that Paul takes the characteristic greeting Kyrene and he, he makes a Christian greeting. Charis Kyrene, grace and peace to you. It's just, it's just a cool thing to know, isn't it? That when we're together in Christ, we get to talk to each other a little bit differently. Uh, grace and peace to you. But more important, Paul is calling these people saints. Saints. Do you think of yourself as a saint? No. Here we get our first clarifying distinction between my plan and God's plan. 
See, in the land of me and my plan, I might, I might plan to, to do as well at life as I can, to get as much out of life as I can, and then try to behave just enough, you know, try to be good enough to, to just be, you know, to be considered a reasonably good person, maybe even in the, the top 50%, but certainly wouldn't think of myself as a saint, right? That would be my plan. And is that, how is that plan, you know? You know, to think, uh, I, I'm going to just live my life and I'm going to try to get myself to be maybe in the top 50%, maybe not the very top, but at least better than some guys I know, you know? Better than those guys. And I don't need to name them. <laughs> Pretty good. Good enough. Good enough. Listen, on what basis will you enter the kingdom of God. On what ground? On, on good enough? If that's the game, if that's the scheme, if that's how it is, then just think about this with me. I want you to just kind of imagine, okay, if that's how it works, who do you know for sure is good enough? Who, who would you put on the scale? Who would you put on your list of good enough? Mother Teresa, you know, Billy Graham, St. Peter, St. Paul themselves. Maybe, you know, where would you put them? Okay, well, put them on your, on your list. Put them on the scale, maybe toward the top, right? And now, uh, I want you to add yourself. Where on the scale will you write your name? Maybe, yeah. I don't, well, I don't know, maybe, I don't know. Is this a good plan? Are you sure this is a good plan? You see, Paul himself was not relying on that plan. He was not relying on his plan to enter the kingdom of God. Paul himself was relying on, was counting on what Jesus had done for him on the cross to pay for his sins and offer him the holiness of Christ as a gift. He wasn't relying on his plan. He was relying on God's plan and his goodness to be received into God's family. See, God's plan isn't to sneak you in the back door with a wink and a good enough. God's plan is to walk you through the front gate, holy and righteous, clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, his son, to celebrate all that you are redeemed in him. God's plan beats my plan. The next part, verses three to 14, friends, you can write this in the margin of your Bible too. From 3 to 14, this is originally one long sentence with no break. 202 words with no break. It doesn't take a breath. Paul just explodes with emotion here. Actually, it's kind of a passionate soliloquy, like a Shakespearean soliloquy or sonnet or something like that. And the city of Ephesus was famous for its amphitheater. It had a great theater that could seat more than 20,000 people for all of its plays and, and, and philosophical orations. It was famous for it. Maybe some of you have seen it. Has anybody seen that theater? Yeah. I'd love to go see it sometime. And Ephesus was famous for this. Paul's soliloquy sent to Ephesus could be just as strong as, any, as anything offered by Homer or Ovid or Virgil in that, in that, in that theater but the subject of the speech 
is the passionate worship and praise of God. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Blessed be God, he says, who blessed us with every blessing in Jesus. Praise be to him. God's plan for us beats the land of me. And Paul goes on to say, for he chose us, verse four, in him, he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. See, God's plan versus my plan. Who's the subject here? Who's active here? God chose. God predestined. In love, God adopted. God's plan, not mine. Some of you know enough to to, uh, cringe a little at that that predestination uh, language. You know how Christians have debated its meaning over the centuries. Listen, don't let that divide believers. Don't let that divide Christians. Look at this now. In love, it says, look at the verse. In love, he predestined us for adoption through Christ. In love. Whenever it sounds, whatever this means, whenever it sounds like predestination is an affront to love, something has gone off course. So what does this mean? What does this mean? It means this. God, in some way, God According to the mystery of his will, God is always prior. God is is already in the room long before you walk into the party. He's already there. And he's thought of you. God has a plan. Are you stressed out about about your plan, about about finding, you know, making the most of things, getting the most out of life, about making your plan work? Listen, God has a plan for your life. He has a purpose for your life. He thought of you before you were born, and, and you can rest in that. You see, God has a plan and a purpose for you, and his plan and purpose for you is to join his family in Jesus Christ. God is always prior. God always comes first. Before you were born, he thought of you, and he hasn't forgotten you. Eugene Peterson says this uh, so well, I think. He says, our identity, our identity doesn't begin with us. There's something previous to what we think about ourselves. And that something is what God thinks of us. So he says, this means that everything we think and feel is by nature a response, and the one to whom we respond is God. We never speak the first word. We never make the first move. God is always previous. God always comes first, and we respond, and God's plan is better than my plan. So look at verse 6. Pick up verse six. To the praise of his glorious, what's that word? Grace. I love you were ready to say that word. Hold on to that word. Watch that word. Which he has freely given us in the one he loves. My plan might be that we have to, to earn this, to earn anything worthy, uh, but God's plan of grace is to freely give it. 
In him it continues, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's what? Grace that he lavished on us. Oh, my plan, my plan would be to, to punish wrongs, to make sure that anybody who makes a mistake, they pay for it, and then to work uh, to do enough good, maybe more good than the bad, and to balance out uh, more good than, than bad. And my plan might be to have just enough grace. I mean, just to use just a tiny bit enough to cover the need, you see? God's plan is forgiveness of sins, redemption in the blood of Jesus, that it's not I who offer the sacrifice, but Christ who does it on my behalf. God's plan is not just enough grace to cover the need. God's plan is not just enough to make the mark. God's plan is overwhelming, overflowing. Grace he lavished on us by his love. Grace that he poured out in oh superabundance, overabundance in his love. That's God's plan to pour it out, to fill us up until we're just overflowing with his grace and love and mercy. All as it goes on, according to the mystery of his will, according to his own good pleasure. See, God is God, I'm not God. And God, God moves according to his sovereignty and his good pleasure, made known to us in Jesus Christ to do what? Verse 10, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. My plan? Pretend to live in the land of me. God's plan? Unite all things under the Christ. My plan? Look out for number one. If I'm not looking out for number one, who's going to look out for number one? Right? God's plan. God's plan is this. You never walk alone again. God's plan is by his grace to enter his family Verse 13, and watch this, verse 11 and 12, excuse me. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. God's plan is to gather us up for the praise of his glory, to leave us never alone again, to bring us all together. And watch this now, verse 13. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked. You were marked by a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Listen, you also, it says, it is open to you, and all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And when you believe, you are marked. You are marked with a seal. You see, ancient cults in Ephesus and all these temples worshiping false gods, they would mark their converts. They would mark them with scars or with special haircuts or with tattoos or with brands. They would get marked. Now you're one of us, when you believe in Christ, when you enter the family of God, you are marked with a seal. And that seal is the very presence of God who is within you in his Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit starts to declare things. It declares, it makes a mark and declares that you are never alone again. It declares that you belong not to yourself, but to your faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave his life for you. It begins to declare and promise that you are not in the land of me, but you are in the family of God by adoption through Jesus. It declares 
and it promises and it guarantees that no matter what you face in life today, you never walk alone and there is an inheritance, an eternal inheritance in heaven stored up for you that is on the way, it is coming and you are a part forever of the kingdom of God. That's his plan. That's his plan. It beats my plan. So today we come to the table. We come to the table, the family table, to take the family meal. We take communion today. See, living by my plan, pretending to live in the land of me, it it fractures things. Things spin apart. So it's time to let Jesus into our lives. It's time to let Jesus into your life. Jesus, the great physician who knows how to bind together the fractures. The great surgeon who can mend the fractures in our lives. See, living in the land of me, it causes things to just spin apart. Living a spun apart life in a spun apart world, too many pieces get scattered all across the floor and my life is fractured. There are fractures, cracks, splits, Splits between me and God. Splits between, fractures between me and and my neighbor. Fractures between me and my loved ones. Fractures even between me and myself. There's no peace. Jesus says, come on now. Come to the table. There's a place for you. We come to the table. One table. One family. One table. Established by one body being broken. One blood being poured out. As Jesus said in Luke 13, 29, people will come from east and west and north and south and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Will Take their places. People from far away will take their places. Here's the thing. There's always another place at this table. There's always room for one more. And this table binds us and unites us. And you can come from wherever you've been, whatever background you've been, you can come to the table of God because Christ has purchased a place for you to sit and to be a part of this family and to know his love. Here we move from my plan to God's plan, from the land of me to the land of of we, from a fractured and broken and solitary life to a life where we are known and loved and drawn together into the household of God. Let's pray. So Lord, when we're tempted to to shut ourselves off from you, from those around us, when we're tempted to pretend that it's all about number one, uh, we pray, Lord, that you would reach into our lives, grab a hold of us by the scruff of our neck and pull us again into your holy family, that we can be seated again around your holy table and know again, Lord, that you have brought us home to you to be one in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to our First Prez podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.first-prez.org.